Hello, and welcome to the Harold's Horn Podcast, episode one. It is a new year, and so the Harold's Horn is here. Your favorite every other week podcast about Magic the Gathering news given to you relatively seriously uh, with an interview with somebody after that. Today, I am joined by Emma Partlow and the wonderful Lexi, aka Black Girl Mage, as we discuss things that happened in Magic in 2023, including shouting out our favorite stuff. Gotta have some positivity on here, right? And also what we're looking forward to in 2024. Of course, we also have our product watch. So be sure to listen to that. After the break, I will be joined by Lexi once again, as we chat about her, her hobbies, what she likes about magic, other stuff like that. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Hello, you are listening to episode number one of the Herald's Horn. We're officially here. Ignore the last episode we released. Uh, just kidding. Listen to it. It was a great time. My name is Cal Jones. And on this episode today, I am joined by the wonderful Emma. Say hello, Emma. Hello, Emma. How how are you doing today, Emma? What's 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 going on? What's popping? Uh, well, we're in 2024, so I'm doing good. Um, and I also have some tea, and I really like tea, so I'm having that's, a good time right now. <laughs> it's always good. That's always it's always good to be cozy when you're when it's nearly your bedtime, and the rest of us are just waking up. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> yeah. of someone who's just waking up, I'm also joined by Lexi. <laughs> Say hello, Lexi. Yawn. That's how I'm gonna say hello from here on out. It's a big every... fake yawn. Exactly. Terrible. A big, a big fake yawn. Well, at least you, at least Emma didn't run back. Hello, Emma. Wait, no, you did, didn't you? Oh my gosh. At least, at least we all have our bits established. Everyone except for me, of course. I am bitless. We'll fix that. Yeah. <laughs> I can just say it's bussin' every episode. <laughs> bussin' count two. <laughs> All right, that's a great place to cut to the song. <laughs> And welcome back. Uh, as Emma alluded to, it is indeed 2024. Indeed, in a case of absolute hubris, we are recording this episode exactly like 14 hours before I'm hoping to release it. So I am going to have a long evening. It's going to be a great time. It'll all be fine. I'll be editing the podcast, listening to the sweet tones of Lexi DMing the home game that I uh, hang out at every Tuesday night. But um, yeah, so, you know, it, it, it's it's the beginning of the new year. Um, 2023 has come to a close. The entire premise of this podcast is that we're supposed to, like, talk about and joke about Magic the Gathering news. But since it's been holiday break ever since uh, we last recorded an episode, nothing has happened for the first time in Magic the Gathering history. A two week span has gone by without something new being announced, something dramatic happening. I don't care about dramatic stuff that much, but we're in a bit of a news lull. So um, we do have like one big news point and I'll probably have Emma talk about it later. Um, but uh, for now, we're going to take a look back at 2023 
um, see a few of the biggest things that happened, talk about those a little bit. And then um, and those are, of course, mostly negative as the news, which happens to stick around in our mind often it does. But then we're also going to I want to take a look back about what we liked and also maybe a little bit of what we're hoping to get out of magic in 2024. Um, of course, the biggest thing that happened in 2023 was Wizards took the next massive leap in expanding uh, what universes beyond and brand partnerships look like for magic with uh, the Lord of the Rings TM Tales of Middle Dash non-capitalized Earth, because that's actually um, how it's spelled. This was like the biggest set in magic history, like not objectively, but soon will be objectively. Right, Emma? Is that true? Uh, yeah, so right now it's Modern Horizons 2. Um, but I know, I think from a recent Hasbro like earnings call, they were saying Tales of Middle-earth was on track to be the best-selling magic set of all time. And you know, I I want to say that's surprising, but it's not really surprising because Lord of the Rings is just kind of awesome. I actually, right before, right before we came uh, to record this podcast, I was uh, watching the Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring Extended Edition on the clock. Lexi, I know you have collected a lot of that set. What is it about that set that appeals to you so much? Because I know you're a big fan. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I think like it's wild to say it. It's absolutely not wild to say it. I think we say this every time when it comes to like a set that people outside of the hobby can be included on. But it's almost like a revolving door. Anytime the door can open up and allow people from outside into the hobby, you're going to see growth. Um, at least, at least I think for these huge, um, entities, like Lord of the Rings was a huge entity for the door to open up with. Um, I think there are some other ones like Transformers was fine. It was fun. Um, but I don't know a lot of people who joined the hobby because of Transformers. I know a lot more people that were like, I would like Gandalf cards. I would like Legolas cards. And now I'm going to read them and try to see what they do. And how do decks work? How do I build a deck around this? And what is Commander really about? So I feel like this set, it, it comes time and time again. But when you find a set that like really strikes true outside of magic and people can kind of find themselves falling in love with the art all over again or even debating about the art all over again, like those feelings really bring fandoms and like people along with it and that's kind of why i collect a lot of it it's just it's just feels good to see all of the art um and to know what they were going for but to see like a new iteration this is very fun yeah that makes a whole lot of sense and that was all very well reflected in the sales numbers of course just beyond the appeal of like the lord of the rings as a massive media entity that's one of the most popular if not the most popular fantasy uh, IP of all time. It also helped that there was a lot of just straight powerful cards in it too, uh, such as uh, Orcish Bowmasters, the One Ring, uh, the pre-constructed commander decks are all pretty awesome. Um, So that that definitely helps things along the line. And, and, And in the same vein of Lord of the Rings, the set being really popular, and in the same vein of what Lexi was just saying about crossover with other fandoms and all that kind of stuff. It feels like this year 
we finally got to a lot of the the really big stuff for universes beyond like before we had transformers was what technically in 2022 mm-hmm. in the brothers war um the, tra- the transformers you know pretty pretty big ip mainly maybe because of michael bay um, <laughs> um credit give credit to megan fox <laughs> that's that's a megan fox franchise that's not a michael bay franchise <laughs> <laughs> all right directly because of megan fox we got to see transformers on magic the gathering cards um way back in gosh 2019 we had you know the godzilla on the on uh, not mm. on the ikoria cards uh there was the walking dead secret lair but now we have like doctor who lord of the rings the princess bride obviously a, a blockbuster for all ages yeah I feel like it's always been a joke too. Like I know in groups that I play with and like just in general people that either know magic or know magic by proxy because of like me or the people I hang out with. I feel like a joke always comes up of like, when is the blank uh, universes beyond coming out? Or when is this, you know, I feel like that's a joke, but it's kind of becoming a possibility now where they're really not, it doesn't feel like, they're not turning anything down which is like something that i really value it doesn't feel like we're making that joke because they just they'll they'll say yes to any franchise that says yes to them um which is why i think we have some of these really really cool sets coming out and really really cool ideas coming out but i think it also just because it's universes beyond it feels like anything could be possible rather than like them being like please anyone work with us it feels the other way around where they're like well we're creating enough to make anything work yeah i think you're perfectly correct about that and i look forward to seeing what they do with everything else in the future i know we have final fantasy coming that's sure to be a big one i know we have oh gosh what else emma i don't know uh you got assassin's creed this year which is going to be a modern set that's going to be a march of the machine aftermath style like small set that's going to be modern modern curated um and then you have marvel next year as well yeah marvel which is the big which is the big one one. yeah that's that's the big one lord of the rings is like nerd slight crossover pretty big crossover popular marvel is like popular popular i think lord at least it was (laughs) i think lord of the rings is the best collaboration what's he could do with their existing franchise because it's high fantasy meets high fantasy right um, but with Marvel, it's going to be interesting because it's probably not going to touch the movies because that's Marvel Studios, where I believe this is just going to be Marvel Comics. So it'll be interesting to see if people are really excited for the like for comic aesthetics when it comes to magic cards. I'm sure they will, but be interested to see what happens. Enough talking about universes beyond. Of course, it was incredibly successful for Wizards this year. Uh, it really defined the year, whether it be through the Commander Precons or the release of the Lord of the Rings set. Um, something that like happened really early this year, uh, Wizards of the Coast sent Pinkertons to someone's house. Does anyone what? have any more insight on that one? Uh, I remember it all happening and I was just like, please not be true because this is horrendous if that's the case. Um, they made, they made, uh, so basically someone, uh, got some March of the Machine after my product early somehow. It wasn't just like, but it was just by accident for the most part. 
Um, but the person that got it was just like, I'm going to stream it on YouTube. I'm going to show all the pools and show a whole set. And it's like, okay, buddy, you're going to get in trouble for this. And then apparently the Pinkertons came around. The the wife of the guy that was streaming of the stuff, she got really upset because the Pinkertons like confronted her and all this stuff. And it was just crazy. Just like, what the hell? But March the Machine Aftermath, it's not even a good set. Like... <laughs> More it's like the Pigertons, am I right? Um, yeah. no. Oh, um, truly. No. <laughs> that does. It doesn't feel real. Like that doesn't feel right. Like it feels like like mafias feel like a thing of the past, and that's feel, felt like what they were trying to do is pull up the mafia for a magic set, and you know there are NDAs in place for legal, like for you to take legal action against things. You don't have to send a literal, like literal cops um, <laughs> to people's houses. I don't know. And I, and I think very weird. That was always like one of the, like, it's always the weird things about this kind of news item. It kind of, it kind of came and went pretty quick. And I, I, it, interestingly enough, it was, it was like a really bad news month for wizards. Cause like, that happened right around the same time as like the new OGL, OGL Dungeons and Dragons <clears throat> thing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's just so strange too, because these are the things that like impact the reputation of the game and its community and all that kind of stuff. When in reality, some weird Hasbro lawyer probably was like, Oh, we got to shut this guy down. Uh, I'm going to make this decision for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely felt like a backdoor, like backdoor in the sense of like one person made that call rather than the whole company. Because like the way the PR kind of flew forward and was like, hey, uh, this is this is how we're going to cover it up. This is how we're going to cover it up. It kind of just came out in a way that showed me they probably had no idea what was going on um, because of how diluted uh, the <laughs> the power structure is. I don't know. It seemed very just like backdoor. We're just going to do this. We've done it before. Um, and I believe I had read a piece about how it wasn't their first time doing that. Like it wasn't the first time sending the Pinkertons to um, do something like that. So it definitely seemed like something they'd gotten away with before multiple and many times. And so they were just like, let's just do it in 2023. You know, let's just try it in 2023 and see what happens. <laughs> what if we it's it's 2023 what if we had a cute and quirky pinkertons to someone's house (laughs) impossible impossible i just hope there isn't a universes beyond that involves red dead redemption then it's gonna get ugly imagine that (laughs) yes listener if you are if you're if your main interaction with the concept of the pinkertons comes from red dead redemption um, I would encourage you to just check out their Wikipedia entries yeah, sometime. Do. Just give that a read. Yeah. Um, learn about the history of the Pinkertons. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Terrible. <laughs> Legally have to move on. <laughs> if you say Pinkerton in a podcast ten times, you automatically have to change topics, and that's what we will be doing now. <laughs> much much like I said, like the year was defined by a product, Lord of the Rings for Magic. I think like the rest of the year was also really defined by all the rest of the products we got. Um, 
the you know so much so we have a segment making fun of how many products come and go which we'll get to later (laughs) don't worry uh but in 2023 there was a lot of products we had all of the normal standard releases in addition to like the normal four to five standard set releases we also had the weird little uh march of the machine aftermath which was just additional to everything else every single one of those sets came with commander pre-cons of a two to four uh, we also had Commander Masters, which came with four pre-cons that were very expensive. Just more and more and more products all the time. I'm kind of tired of it, though it's always fun to actually reframe it in my mind that I get the chance to rediscover cards later, which I've had a lot of fun doing. But uh, when, you're, when your job is to like keep up with it, Emma and I talked about this a little bit uh, <laughs> um, in, in, in her meet the host uh interview check that out on the last episode it can it could be a lot and if you're someone like not to put lexi on the spot lexi you are probably like you play magic but of the co-hosts and hosts that we have on the show you are definitely the least engaged day to day and i imagine that makes it even harder for you to like want to keep up because there's so much that you can't have a hope yeah it it definitely feels like um how marvel is for people like marvel movies are for people where people watched uh end game and then they were like i'm done like feels a lot like uh like a fire hose (laughs) um that i try to love and stay committed to but i know that three weeks from now something new is going to be (laughs) changing and shifting and moving but yeah it's definitely hard to definitely a bit hard to keep up with and even harder to convince other people to keep up with because of how much comes out, which is the hard part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and and on the entire other end of the spectrum, there's Emma, whose job it is Hi. to keep up with all of it and Hello. cover it. And that's not awesome either. No, it's very, very, uh, I want to say stressful and unpredictable at times because... Usually when there's a release, there's normally a pre-announcement for the next release and they bring out all this information early for distributors so people can like pick up like pre-order product. They have to sell it, which is why you see these weekly MTG streams of sets that are being like the first looks. That is for the distributors mostly and not for the audience, like for casual people. But it's still something you have to acknowledge and just absorb all that information. and then. They might do previews for like another set that's three months away. And then they might announce a new booster range, which they did in October last year with the play booster. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, Watsy, please like take a week off. It's fine. You're allowed to not do anything. And it just feels like just just that wheel has to keep spinning because otherwise people are going to lose interest. But there's plenty to be interested in because there's just so much stuff. It's it's difficult. Yep, exactly. Um, and another, another, uh, sad point of 2023, um, you know, we've said commander a lot in this podcast already, which is ostensibly about more than commander, but, um, I think that points directly to the massive legacy, um, and impact on the game that was had by Sheldon Mennery, who did, uh, pass away in 2023 after a very prolonged, uh, and courageous battle with cancer. Um, Sheldon was awesome. Um, he had an entire gargantuanly impactful career in impact, not career per se career, but an outrageously outsized impact of the game 
and on the competitive side as a judge uh, for years and years and years was instrumental in helping uh, catch cheaters and figure out ways to tamp down on cheating in the game when it was much less of a uh, looked down on perhaps activity um, was instrumental in a lot of those kind of things really helped shepherd uh, a fledgling competitive game into more of a bastion beyond. Um, and then of course, when he was still involved with that, he then happened to help uh, popularize and shepherd the most popular way now to play magic, the gathering um, EDH. But um, yeah, hope you missed it'll be it'll also be interested to see uh where the direction of commander changes or anything like that but you know that's that's a thing for like 2025 not not for now i don't know heavy pause heavy silence yeah i it's rough i really 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 wanted to meet sheldon in person (laughs) And that's, I feel like that's all I can say about that before getting too emotional, but truly could not, I would not, truly would not be in this um, format, in this seat, talking to these people without him and what he did for, um, yeah, what he did for the format and a lot of even my D&D career, air quotes, wouldn't be in place if it weren't for the stuff that he brought to the table when it came to magic. So endlessly grateful for him, um, endlessly in awe of what he did and always hoping to be as impactful as he was. All right. Well, of course, the year also ended on a weird note, uh, which with the Hasbro layoffs, which we we talked about last week, so I'm not really going to talk about it today. Um, And it did also bring with it a pretty awesome set, Lost Caverns of Ixalan, which has been one of my favorite things of the year, uh, probably because I liked the first Ixalan set so much, which is not a very popular take in many Magic the Gathering circles. Uh, but um, in, in that in that vein, now that we've talked about a lot of depressing things that happened in 2023, I wanted to move on and talk about our favorite thing in Magic the Gathering of the year. Emma, you go first. So I have two, if that's allowed. That's perfectly fine. You sure? You seem really upset. No, I can't. I can't believe it. I can't believe that you want to like things. Okay, so the first one, uh, granted I'm going to be biased here, was KubeCon, which was this uh, convention about the Cube format. It was in Madison, Wisconsin. It was super fun. And it was really cool to see an event, a a competitive-minded event as well, that was just based around cube. There was 40 different cubes that you could play. There was a really good system for people to play these cubes Um, and just seeing everyone together and just wanting to talk about cube and just play it was really, really great to see. And it was just cool to see people just having fun playing magic and not getting invested in results or money or anything. They were just there to have fun and it was really cool. Hell yeah events events are always a lot of fun events are always very awesome and um, i think i think event like those kind of events in general were great uh, last year so you had like eternal weekend it's a good thing that happens where it's like you get to play like paper vintage and legacy uh i imagine cal will have to, will have some things to say about cedh like 
bunch of events have been popping off there as well. So it's been a really good year for quote unquote smaller formats, like more casual smaller formats that we don't typically associate like standard modern or pioneer or even commander. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a good one. Coopy has a mind. Oh, Coop. Oh, Coop, he's, buddy. He's fully asleep, so he woke himself up. <laughs> he was like... <laughs> and I think, Emma, in that vein of, like, you know, CubeCon and stuff, there seems to have been a pretty big get for Cube and other smaller formats beyond these events. Right, because I think one thing... One good thing Commander has taught us is you can kind of play these formats however you want. Like magic's just an expression, right? Much like cube is an expression of how you like you build a cube on the things that you like, you will build a commander deck on the things that you like too. So it's just a really good way just to express yourself and share. I don't know if it's called love language, but you know, your language in finding similar people who like the same things. And it's just a really good way, especially in the casual setting where people can go, cool, you like playing, I don't know, playing uh, Quintorius EDH. I also like Quintorius EDH. Let's let's hang out sort of thing. Um, it's just nice to know that you're not alone in liking these things and you feel very accepted and validated, which is great to see in a very social game. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I, not, to, not to cut the line in front of Lexi and stuff, but while we're on the topic of events and uh, small communities doing stuff and all that kind of awesome stuff, it has been awesome to see more and more CEDH um, events this year. Uh, I'm not the most competitive person in the world. I definitely used to be more competitive than I am now, but playing CEDH is just good, plain, awesome, fun, and it has been incredible to get to travel around the U.S. a little bit this year and even uh, go to Star City Games events and get to compete in CEDH tournaments versus uh, people that I've known for years now and new people that I meet at each event uh, who I have gotten to know better and better. It's been a real big highlight of 2023 of the growth is the growth of CDH as a tournament format with larger and larger events. And we're figuring out how the tournaments should actually work and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> that has been a lot of fun. I have also, as an aside, really enjoyed the continued excellence of draft. It seems like and limited magic in general. It seems like wizards has finally kind of figured that out um, has, and has been making almost mono banger sets uh, except for in wild to drain. One of the archetypes literally didn't work. And in Lord of the Rings, one of the archetypes literally didn't work. But other than that, they've been putting down bangers such that I finally got back into limited after avoiding it for like, a decade. Lexi, is there anything in Magic in 2023 that you really liked? Ooh, I really liked... I'm going to be a loser and say I really liked all of Wilds of Eldraine. Um, it was a very, very exciting set for me, and I feel like I made that evident on like Twitter and stuff. That was the set I started playing Magic with. Um, the previous uh, Eldraine drop, it was so cool and it was one of those things i think that's why i'm so like it's so near and dear to me to get people in uh on and like on sets that they can understand whether that's lord of the rings or 
um, if it's Transformers or even Ixalan or whatever else, if I can pitch like such a cool theme, I can get more people to play Magic. And while the the first Eldraine set um, was the set that was pitched to me as like, oh, it's fairy tale stuff. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. And then I realized there's way more than fairy tale stuff. Um, but it's the set that caught me. So I thought it was very fun. And we got a little bit of a monster. I know this is D&D stuff, but we got a little bit of a monster expansion um, that they wrote in companionship with the drop. So that was very fun to see. It was like a little, they wrote out a bunch of the monsters from, well, handful of monsters from the cards. Um, and that was very, very cool to see. So very, I, I'm, I'm very excited about that and it made me happy and I still like cracking Eldraine if I can get my hands on it. <laughs> and, and I think that is something that magic is continually very good at in their own world is continually creating very resonant worlds that are interesting to different people for different reasons. Like I had been playing magic for a while by the time that Tarkir came around. Um, but for whatever it was, something about cons and dragons, something about that world. I was just like, all right, this rocks. It was probably all the dragons, but <laughs> it was probably all of the dragons. Let's be honest. <laughs> but yeah, Lexi, that's, that's not being like cringe. Enjoying Boy. things is based Yes. Destroy, <laughs> destroy, no longer cringe. Destroy the part of you that cringes. I am free. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, you said you had two things, and you talked about one thing. What's the second thing? Uh, so the second thing is um, something for more enfranchised Magic players. But I think what they've done is really, really cool, and it's worth bringing up. So Daybreak Games took over the ownership of Magic Online this year. Wizards of the Coast gave it to Daybreak Games to like manage, organize, do whatever the hell they want with. And what have Day Daybreak Games have done with Magic Online is fantastic. They've rejuvenated Magic Online. They're constantly adding events. They're doing cool cube things. They're listening to feedback. So if people have complaints, they will remedy them. They're fixing bugs much quicker as well. And considering Magic Online is a pretty old program, they're doing a really good job with it. And I think online magic is becoming a lot better than it was before ignoring arena in this circumstance yeah it is as a as somebody who tries to avoid magic the gathering online um because it's i find it hard to operate yes um, <laughs> uh they have it's been, not easy exactly uh, i have been putting myself through the experience of operating magic online more often because daybreak has been giving me a lot of opportunity to have enfranchised magic fun on the platform so much more than wizards ever did um especially with so much vintage cube well that is 2023 and now i want to give everyone the chance to look forward to the new year 2024 lexi do you have a wish list of one to 15 items for magic the gathering in 2024 i want everything from the clue set uh, the ravnica clue set yeah it's that's a gimmick give me a gimmick give me a bit i'm all over it um that is something that is gonna make me cosplay and i've never cosplayed before so we're, Ooh, we're exciting gonna, yeah I'm, I'm very excited about it so i feel like that's 
are we talking like magic wish list yeah yeah that's my magic yeah, wish list your magic wish list do you have a personal wish list for 2024 i don't i don't know I want to commit to reading book series. Yeah. That's my personal wish list. I, I read one-off books and I'm like, I'm happy, but I need to like <laughs> actually commit <laughs> to going on to the second, third, and fourth books of my favorite authors and give them the due diligence <laughs> of knowing that I'm I'm I care about their stuff. So All right, Lexi, I have a pitch for you. It's a book series. It's called The Wheel of Time. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> it's a it's so big it's a relatively mid it's a relatively middling 15 books (laughs) of which the average length is like 600 pages bad (laughs) i really liked reading it in the nearly two years that it took me as the only thing i was reading it was a lot of fun (sighs) you know reading more is awesome lexi i i read a lot more in 2023 i read 30 something books this last year and that was Mm -hmm. awesome couldn't recommend it more to uh mm. to anybody so um i will come to your house and i will bother you about reading how about that as you should do it let me drive the four blocks to lexi's house and you can <laughs> knock on the knock on the door <laughs> let me let me drive the six thousand miles to emma over the over the ocean and and say emma what are you looking to get out of magic and or your personal life since we're there now in 2024 <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> So we'll start with magic. Um, I am really looking forward to the Bloomborough standard set in Q3 because it looks like Redwall and I yes. loved Redwall as a, as a child. And I'm like, Chanting. give me, give me, give me rats in robes with little swords and badges and squirrels with staffs. I, I just want all of it. That is give like more mice. Yes. It reminds me also of the board game Brute. And Root is a really great game. So I, I just love that sort of whimsy, cutesy animal fantasy aesthetic. So just give me give me all the mice and the rats and the badges and whatever. So I just hope that's a banger. Because, you know, it's going to be the... it's going. I believe it's going to be the standard set that triggers rotation because everything got pushed back. So hoping there's some really nice cards in there. I'm going to buy it all anyway, but I just hope they're sweet. You ready to spill your personal beans on the Harold's Horn podcast? My personal beans. I don't I, look. <laughs> I'm flying half blind here, literally and figuratively. Um, I think my personal goal is actually just to play more magic. For someone who works in the in the magic space full time, is I would really like to just go to an F and M and not draw my opening seven and go, "Cool, I'm at work." I want to just like get that light switch and just think, cool, I can enjoy this for magic rather than try and be nuanced and think about work or whatever. So that's going to be my goal this year, I think, just to switch off with magic. That is a very valiant goal, Emma, and I hope that you can find success in it. Myself, what is your? I was going to say, what's your personal beans? Yeah, my personal beans, man. Um, at least as far as magic goes, I just want there to be more cool events. And I'm also really hoping that the play booster is a successful concept. That is like my two must haves for 2024. I want to go to some magic cons. I want to play some CDH events. Um, and I also hope that play boosters work. 
in successfully combining draft and set boosters. So both people who just want to crack packs and have an awesome time and also people who want to use packs as a very important game piece are also satisfied. Um, not to like be a wizard shill or anything though, but I'm guessing they'll work because like I said, wizards kind of has limited figured out at this point. And I think that they will be able to carry over that success and knowledge to a new booster. So we'll see about that. Me personally, um, I'm trying to read more. I am trying to successfully create 24 episodes of this podcast. That's actually like my number one thing. Um, cool. And I'm trying to be more fiscally responsible. It's kind of boring, right? But um, I'm in my boring era. Yeah. I'm in my be. boring era. I'm trying to pay off my student loans at a slightly in increased my rate era. in 2024. I'm trying to take a nap once every quarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've all spilled our personal beans, it's time to move on to the one consistent part of this show, and that is the product watch. So, Emma, Lexi, this is the this is the consistent part of the show for a reason. It's because if we can count on anything having happened in the last two weeks of Magic the Gathering, it is more products being announced. We're on episode one and I've already been wrong. There have been no new products announced or <laughs> anything kind of of note in the last two weeks. But that's it was Christmas. It was New Year's. We were all at home relaxing, uh, eating too much or something. I don't know. Uh, there was, however, uh, there is two points of note announced today when we are recording. Um, one of the most profitable and lucrative and uh, exciting arms of Magic the Gathering, uh, Secret Lair. They are changing how they do Secret Lair. Historically, Secret Lair products have been print to demand. So they have the pre-order window open for often two weeks to a month. Everybody orders it. And then they usually have some amount on hand that they ship out immediately, but also uh, whatever, however many orders they get, they print that many and they send it out. This has resulted in historically a lot of really long waits for people. Uh, most famously, when all of us waited, I believe something in the realm of a year and change for the heads I win, tails you lose uh, pre-con commander deck, which was shipped to my old address and I never ended up getting oh, no. uh, <laughs> me personally that's what i get for buying a house you lose the secret lair in the mail um but now they are changing to a limited print run model so they are going to try to make an educated guess about the um about the demand for a product and then they are going to say cool we're printing that many and then they will have the order window. And as people order them, they will be immediately shipping them out, which they have admitted could lead to um, a product selling out, which has not been something that has happened with Secret Lair before, um, except for technically uh, the Magic 30 Secret Lair could have, uh, you know, <laughs> technically was going to sell out um, until they sold like 90 of them or something. But uh, that was also in the last year, wasn't it? Oh my gosh. Magic 30 was this year. The, yeah. the That cursed product. Anyways, product watch. Magic 30, electric <laughs> boogaloo. Um, so they, they say that 
this will help alleviate the biggest complaint that people have had with Secret Lair, which is the shipping times. You order it, you wait around three months, and the Secret Lair shows up at your house because they had to make the product after you ordered it. And instead, they are now perhaps increasing the amount of scarcity found in Secret Lairs. Um, I don't really have any thoughts about this. Does anyone else? I think it's interesting. If you want to read the announcement, listener, I'll link to it in the show notes. But any Secret Lair takes? Take havers? It's interesting. Um, I'm just interested to see what they do with the leftover stock that they because some of it is just not going to sell, right? And we've seen with the festival and the boxes at the Magic Cons that they didn't sell. So what they what Wizards have done, they have repurposed the festival in the box as a prize for winning an like a, a a small arena tournament, and you can win as many as you like, and they get sent to you. So it's clear like something's not right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with the leftover stuff. It's cool that, you know, people can get stuff on time, but at the same time, is it going to be opened? Is it going to be as accessible for people to buy like singles off? Because I, I tend to buy secret less singles because they work out cheaper once they're on the market. Um, but yeah, it's, just, it's, I respect the fact that wizards are trying to do something different and try and make the secret layer thing much more, favorable so people actually get their stuff on time i don't know what it's going to do to the market but it'll be interesting to see i guess if anything there's a world in which this helps out uh matching the gathering retailers a little bit because there's a no number of cards out there which could drive up demand for singles yeah. and so on and so forth lexi have you been a big secret layer gamer um yeah i'm very similar to emma i buy them in singles for the most part um i don't i think there's only the only secret layer i've ever bought was the pride secret layer and i, I feel like there was one more because i got so excited about them and then i was like oh it's a really long time to wait so i feel like i don't really have a hot take about this one outside of just like i also am curious to see what happens because when I see the word limited, like print to demand rather than limited print run, like, or no, 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 it's limited print run rather than print to demand. The word limited makes my eyes cut. I'm just like, mm, <laughs> how limited are we talking? Because if, if it's too limited, there's no surplus to go around. And therefore it's everyone's trying to buy it. But if it's not limited enough, then what you said would happen. And then you have the flip side of what if they print because they've been printing like these new cards for Secret Lair, like the Lara Croft and the and the Walking yeah. Dead cards. At one point, what if one of those cards becomes super good in Legacy, and then the Secret Lair is pr outprinted? Yep. Like talking talking worst case scenarios here. Yeah. Like, right. It's going to be like a hundred dollar yeah. Secret Lair card for some yeah. cyborg slot in the Legacy deck. So yeah. that could happen I as well. Yeah, my brain is a big like i i like secret layers i like the idea of them um i think they're very expensive and i think that the secret layers that i was told to snag when i first got into magic was purely based on the value of them never being printed again so i'm always curious to see how that will work out for this pivot it happened with i believe concord and crossroads where it was printed as a secret layer which is a card that wasn't reprinted at this point. It was like, cool, it was in a secret layer. You should buy it. Two months later, it was in Double Masters. And it's wow. like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a bit, you know, 
terrible. So people are obviously going to be a bit reserved because it's like, I can buy the secret lair because there's these reprints that I really want, but are they just going to appear on a standard bonus sheet two months later? Like, yeah, it's, it's really rough. Well, uh, that concludes us talking about secret lairs. And uh, there's one more product. Ravnica Remaster is out next week. Uh, does anyone care? There's Shocklands in it. I think that's pretty neat. There's some uh, retro cards. There's some retro cards. I think that's pretty neat. I like Ravnica. That's it. <laughs> that's yeah. All. Pretty, pretty basic. I. It feels like I. this is going to make magic nerds mad but it feels like dominaria to me where it's like a very standard baseline not very fun not very interesting but useful cards a lot of useful cards and uh but i don't know i'm excited definitely excited about shocklands get those get those to me stat put shocklands in my belly in my hands let's let's see if anyone opens any yeah we'll see if anyone opens any um the, I think the 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 hot take that I'm most aware of and concerning, not even a hot take, but the concern out there is that this set was actually like massively overproduced. Yeah, uh, it was, in, I believe in comparison it's, to what demand is. I believe it's Double Masters 2022 style print run, which is yeah, a lot. Which is huge. Dang. Which, is, which huge. is huge. Um, well, those are all of the products, and by all of the products, we mean there's a set coming out next week, which may be disastrous for vendors everywhere, and they're changing Secret Lair to uh, have even more FOMO contained within. Let's hear <laughs> it for this week's product watch. Product watch. <laughs> and uh, now that we're through quickly talking about products, that also brings uh, an end to this part of the Harold Horde podcast. Um, Lexi will be sticking around with me to talk about uh, all things Lexi in our three-part Meet the Coho series. But Emma, do you have anything else that you want to leave our listeners with before they do not get to hear you for at least two more weeks? <laughs> what a way to say it. I know, right? <laughs> took me off guard. Um, Nothing really of note, but just to make sure, you know, get your sleep in, make sure you go out for a a good walk, look after yourself because, you know, it's 2024 and it's a good time to make some little changes. Hey, this is where your audio spot could be read by me. If you want to sponsor the Herald's Horde podcast, helping me pay the bills and helping me pay my co-hosts bills by paying them money, hit me up at cal at caljones.com. It's that easy. Cal at caljones.com. I would love to work with you. Thanks. You're just opening bags right now. I I am. Well, these are already (laughs) open. These are already open. Oh, did you win? I don't know. And welcome back here we are uh i am here once again joined by co-host lexi and we're gonna try to just get to know co-host lexi a little bit a bit of background um you know when i first ran into lexi online i was like wow what a cool enterprising smart creative individual who's on twitter.com and then somebody else was like hey did you know that Lexi lives in the same geographical location as you? And I was like, huh? 
And now we see each other every week. And I think that's pretty sick. It's very nice. It is very, very nice. I think the internet can be beautiful like that. Like I, I got the email yesterday that my Tumblr blog turned 11, which is wild because that is a corner that no one will ever see or be able to touch or, you know, no one, I like I made it myself. It is for me. It's not for anybody else. And Twitter is completely op- the opposite. And I definitely use Twitter like I use Tumblr, where I'm like hoping I'll make friends, but I know I won't. And then I did. So it definitely gave me a lot of hope um, and made me very happy to be friends with you in real life. My heart. Yeah, exactly. So I know you quite well at this point in time, Lexi, but many people listening to this podcast uh, do not. And we can't delve into everything. It's 20 minutes, but, um, you know, I, you mentioned in the other half of the podcast that you, you came to playing magic, uh, via being convinced that it may be for you with, uh, the world of Eldraine. You said the fairy tales mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff really appealed to you. Did it work? Did you stick? Did you do you play magic constantly to this day? It okay. Well, it stuck. Um, the problem was after that moment, the friend that had taught me how to play gave me all of her magic cards, and I kind of just had to sit there and be like, I don't know what to do with these, <laughs> I don't know how to play. Um, I had actually started with standard, so it was standard. I was just playing like no commander, like truly just 20 life. They in the game store, they had to write the word um, draw on my left hand with a Sharpie because I wasn't drawing cards. That's how new I was. My friend immediately took me to a pre-release after teaching me one. Day. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. So I went to a pre-release for Eldraine. I was very, very excited. Um, and it stuck. I wanted to play it nonstop. But at that point in time, I only had this crappy little 2012 MacBook and Arena hadn't released on MacBook yet. So... I was kind of just up a creek wanting to play a whole yeah. lot. That friend went back to college and I couldn't yeah. really figure out how and where to play. Um, but after a little while, um, it came back around and got back on my radar around Ikoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ikoria and Strixhaven was when it got back on my radar through um, uh, the command zone. And then I went out and bought the precons immediately and sat down in the game store. I bought them in and just tried playing. And it's stuck ever since. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was I was about to ask. I know you've like basically in the time that I've known you have mm-hmm. uh, played Commander and all that kind of stuff, and 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 yeah. that does make sense because it's by far, unless you're just like really grinding on Arena or something, it's definitely the easiest and most accessible way to play Magic at this point in time. Yeah, so you can usually find a game. Um, and you played Standard and pre-release before yeah i love pre-releases actually i love doing pre-releases i think the problem that i found is i'm really bad at drafting and i'm really bad at knowing Mm -hmm. what's good Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and i've tried to figure it out and that's something drafting i will always say this and every time i say this everyone just like nods their head in agreement drafting is the one thing that you want to practice but it costs money to practice correct like you can't practice commander i can goldfish and i do goldfish a lot when i'm home by myself i will just take out a commander and sit and play and see how much damage i can do if i can win in five turns um if i can win in seven turns like what is the best hand i could possibly get like i can just 
really jam by myself but drafting is one of those things where especially if a set is new i am not one to sit down and look through every single card to be like well compared to these other cards this is going to do wonders for me so i'm going to make sure that i pivot into this color pie specifically for this set like i'm not i can't i i legitimately want to get better at it but yeah pre-release love it yeah definitely i think that's one of the weirdest things i think that's one of the hard dynamics about limited um is that like yeah you actually have to be pretty dang plugged in to understand be able to sit down and understand what's going on and especially in draft to you know it's a it it it, it, i've seen people i've I've tweeted about this exact concept at length before because i would Mm -hmm. like to get better at draft and i enjoy playing draft but i'm bad at it and it's kind of annoying to be bad at things and but it costs me ten dollars to lose at a draft on arena that's not Mm -hmm. That's not very conducive. And I've, I've had people be like, oh, you can practice drafting on this website and this website. And that's technically true. You can look at the packs and take cards out of the packs and yada, yada, yada. But then you have, there's so much you can learn by playing the games. And yep. to play the games versus other people, that unfortunately costs money. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. It definitely requires a lot more than just sitting down and having the piece of paper in front of you. Yeah. So. I don't know. I guess we'll have to have you over for a cube draft sometime. That would be yeah, fun. Yeah, I'd love that. Like I also really drafting. like modern too. Um, I've kind of fallen out a bit with modern, but I do like that format. I was playing that quite a bit. I actually put money into getting a modern deck and mm. then immediately stopped playing. Yeah, um, that's because... a that's a real classic. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So much money. Yep. Exactly. Well, I don't think we can really sit here and talk about Magic the Gathering um no. this this whole time. Because you do, you are a person who plays Magic the Gathering, Lexi. But if I had to choose a hobby that defined you, it would not be Magic the Gathering, despite the fact that you are now on a Magic the Gathering podcast. It would be, uh, it would it would be storytelling and role playing games and all this kind of stuff. Like you play Magic, but your your main outlet for your preferred hobby also happens to be made by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. <laughs> they have me in their pockets <laughs> let's yeah, just say Lexi, that yeah Lexi you are shoveling money directly into the Wizards of the Coast lockbox with yes. every way that you could possibly choose to spend your time what what is it about uh storytelling that really gets you because uh, listener um yeah Lexi is an incredibly successful incredibly uh good at what they do uh game master dm whatever whatever they call them these days um in mm-hmm. D and beyond uh and as a result they don't get to play much but it seems you're happy in the dm seat anyway what is it about running uh games what is it that about running stories that you really love so much there is something about a collective yes if that makes sense it's uh all of us accepting that for three hours twice a week or once every two weeks dragons can fly um i can shoot a bow i can swing a sword um i have a team that is always there for me and will remain there for me and uh i have a familiar i have magic i have power um there's something about a collective yes that we can all look at each other and nod and say yes or even just like hey this is a world exactly like our own but with the wicked forest that we all have to be like we all have to go into um let's just nod and say we're gonna say yes about this what how bad can this get um 
and just go along with it. I think that the people that play games are always very interesting. Um, and I've gotten to play games with some really wicked people who all understand the power of big stories. Um, no matter how fantastical they can be, you can always learn something from them. And I think that when I play with other people who are willing to go all the way with me rather than like this is my story and I want it to be big and I want you to put on my story I think that I find joy in that a lot um yeah especially I have a screenwriting background it's like not it's I don't think it's out of pocket for me to be like I just like being able to see individual characters live out their dreams in a world that I I built (laughs) like that's really it yeah that just that's just like fun (laughs) yeah it's objectively fun. Um, and I think there's something about, I play a lot with adults. So watching adults be able to set aside their everyday lives and just be like, you know what? I'm playing a cowboy. Who cares? I'm doing an accent. Um, I don't, I, I got a little uh, bird name Piddles and uh, he's my best friend and has seen the darkest of times with me. Like there's something about all of it that can give us like, I say this on a lot of podcasts that I'm on, but like there's something about that that gives you like a vaccine to the everyday life, like the horrors of everyday living um, to be like, well, if I just sleep in this game, all of my, <laughs> my pain goes away and I'm healthy again and happy and we can just keep moving on. There's something great about that. But I like, I like, I like that. I like that phrase vaccine to everyday living. And Oh yeah. There's something certainly very magical about that collective yes where everyone can I don't want to say like play pretend or whatever but that's yeah. that's what you're doing it's, it's what what's it happening yeah. a lot of the time playing pretend but like with some rule structure depending on the oh, yeah. game because I think that's I think that's the thing that you you ha- like to play and have introduced to me especially um a lot of games that aren't D and D. What is what's what's the realm like outside of outside of D and D these days? Ooh, growing, it's very, right? It's it's definitely growing. It's already huge. It's like yeah, it's sure. almost like D and D is kind of I'm gonna say this and it's gonna make people mad, but like kind of like the mitochondria of the cell mm-hmm. and other tabletop RPGs are the rest of the cell. Like they're already moving and pumping and growing, not because of D and D, but like despite D and D. Um, and that's very interesting. There are so many games out there and people are constantly writing new ones and coming up with new ones and forging spaces for you to have specific experiences. Um, and what doesn't help is that I surround myself with a lot of people who write games. Uh, and so a lot of my experiences and the things that I like to show other people surrounds the idea that like games can change your life. Um, mainly because they have changed mine. So a lot of the games that I end up playing outside of D&D are games that I've been like, I've sat down and played this with a group of people. And when like by the time we were done playing it, we were like crying or we were just like holding each other because we just love each other so much or like any of those kinds of things or like looking at each other in awe of like, that was in your mind. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, Get out of here. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of the games outside of D&D really are showing off the creativity of so many creators. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm definitely in the pocket when it comes to uh, D&D and magic or whatever, but I'm also so much um, 
I, I'm eating so well. If I if D and D suddenly had to go kaput, I am eating so well at the table of so many other creators that I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I could still continue to tell stories in the way I want to. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's like part of the very cool thing about the the RP and storytelling space too that. I don't, I don't know exactly how to word this. I feel like a lot of people maybe can get, get into magic and they say, mm -hmm. oh, here's this big trading card game and it works this way and I can play it these ways. And then maybe it's not for them, but there's not, there's not a lot of other options. If you want to play yeah. a trading card game per se or, or similar, there's, there are some, you know, there's uh one piece and there's Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm -hmm. and there's pokemon and so on and so forth but a lot of them are actually pretty similar to each other yes and all this kind of stuff but when you're talking about sitting down and telling stories together under this collective yes the possibilities are kind of actually infinite and don't actually rely upon something like wizards of the coast staying around or whatever it's kind of almost infinite possibilities is pretty slick it's very freeing like i have gone between we've played like the social deduction game like blood on the mm -hmm. clock tower i've gone from that to playing games where like the goal like you are a vampire who's centuries old who has to work at a mall because you're running out of money and you have to deal with like teens and bad customers and swing between like blood-filled rage and like uh your your human side needing to needing money um and I've played that. I've played games where you're like a mouse in a motorcycle gang. Like there's all these different kinds of ga like games. And yeah, I think it's definitely freeing. And I think that's also one of the reasons that I still have a lot of hope for magic where with magic and other card games, you're kind of always saying, well, it's like magic. It's like Pokemon. It's like Digimon, whatever. I think I still have hope for it in general because I, I would hope that people are becoming so creative like are gaining the creativity to realize that they do have to build their own legs like in order for this game to stand and also kind of get better too there needs to be competition there needs to be other people saying hey actually a really fun format is this um and innovation i mean that's like the key to i hate to say it the key to capitalism um which is what we're trapped in but you know I just think it's, um, I don't know. I, I really want the competition to come through and open and broaden their horizons because I think it would relieve a lot of the stress and tension that is in the magic community where people are like leaning on magic to get them through the day. <laughs> like, it would just be better. And there's there's so many cool things out there. Like I, at Gen Con, bought this dumb worldwide wrestling storytelling book <laughs> that, you know, I would love to run it sometime. Of course, it, we're having this whole conversation under the, the the known thing between us that I have discovered that like traditional fantasy storytelling games aren't for me. D&D yeah. &D is like pulling teeth for me, unfortunately, yeah. even though conceptually I like it so much. And I am happy that there's so much innovation and stuff out there because a lot of the other stuff that you've introduced me to has been awesome. I'm sure that's the case for a lot of other people too. Um, to change gears a little bit, I have to ask you the question that like I, I'm sure all lifetime game runners get. Do you wish that you could be a player a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so hard. 
it's a hard yes and it's also a hard like a soft no sometimes too i think it's a balance because i don't like everyone's table and i know that sounds absolutely outrageous i feel like not a lot of people say that but not everyone's table is fit for me and the kind of like storytelling that i like to do so though i've had a lot of people offer their table to me there's only been a couple of tables i've sat at and and i think cal same for you like i think that it's the same thing where you have to go through the trial and error to figure out what works and what doesn't and i found a lot of people that have been playing for a super long time don't exactly fit the um the like, like the same i guess grade of like what i would consider fun a lot of younger, newer DMs, like DMs that started during COVID or a little bit before that, they tend to be more in the the, the palette of like people that I'm like, I would like to sit at your table. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have quite a few offers of like, hey, come play with me. And that's wonderful. But I do also have to fend for myself and be sure that I'm showing up for myself as much as I'm showing up for them to be like, if I sat at your table, you would not like how I play this game. <laughs> you would not like that I want to romance your NPCs. You would not like that um, that I'm more than willing to put myself in danger in order to have someone else complete their goal. Um, it would not be good. <laughs> so, yes, and also I'm happy with where I'm at a little bit. Yeah, that that makes perfect. That makes perfect sense. Um, and, and beyond Magic the Gathering and 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 D and D, Lexi, what do you what do you what do you do with your time? I know you said you wanna you wanna read more in the new year. Yeah, but I mean, what does also... the the mythical Lexi do when they are not doing their publicly known hobbies? I would like to write some more scripts this year. I have a couple of like movie ideas that I got halfway through the scripts for and then started thinking, nobody's going to like this. It's not logical. And I just don't think that I deserve those boundaries. <laughs> I think I the movie ideas are way too stupid for me to be thinking logically about. <laughs> like they're comedy movies. They're not anything that should be like, you know, taken so seriously that I'm like, people are going to regard this and think of it as, you know. So I, I think... I want to write more scripts. I've been, I posted a sketch on YouTube and it wasn't super like polished. It's not like the best thing in the world, but I want to post more sketches this year. Um, I really, I really liked uh, doing during COVID. One of my hobbies was doing mace. Um, like taking <laughs> doing mace. Taking, I thought you like, were like, wow. Uh, so you, <laughs> like, you oh, like huffing pepper spray or. Yeah. <laughs> this new fad um that i have um but no it's like the 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 globe at the end of the huge pull arm kind of situation mm-hmm. um i picked up doing mace and it was wonderful and i had a great time and it actually really helped build a lot of my musculature so i really want to pick that up again um but yeah a lot of what i do is just like write read play music i want to start doing open mics again i do want to start doing that that's like a lot of what i do you do some you do some compositional freelance don't you yes i do i've written theme songs for a like a small handful of like tabletop shows and like i did some kickstarters um for strixu i did all of the music for the first uh first four episodes this new season i was like i can't i can't do it i can't do it Mm -hmm. um i'm editing it i I must not uh do Mm -hmm. it i Mm -hmm. must be kind to myself but 
um, still music directing and in my free time, still writing some pieces. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. You you mentioned Strixu, so I think we have to talk about Strixu for a second yeah. here. Actually, um, for th- those of you who do not know, Strixu is Lexi's uh, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Lexi. Is what is what is Strixu? What is Strixu? Um, yeah, so Strixu is an all black HBCU inspired Strixhaven campaign. So Strixhaven, um, the magic set, basically they released a book uh, to go alongside it for D and D, and it is wonderful, perfect. Uh, it is great. A lot of people have a lot of fun with it because it was one of the first campaigns that was socially driven. Like they literally have uh, uh, parts in the book that are for your players making rivals and turning those rivals into lovers and like whatever else. Like it's a very wonderful set um, while combating some pretty toxic ideas about magical schools and like kids and all that kind of stuff. It, it did a great job. And so um I got so excited about that set that I basically pulled together some of my favorite people. Um, and we have been running this, we ran this campaign. It's like what's out right now is the prequel, which is just like kind of setting up everything that's coming now uh, in this following season. I was just like, I kind of want people to know who they're playing with, like who is sitting at the table. So the prequel's out. You can watch my players bully me so much. It's so, it's very funny um and hilarious uh they're the funniest people on this planet um and pretty much yep i mean that's it strixhaven is just uh it's a very fun set and i had a lot of fun with it Mm -hmm. and i had a lot of fun with the campaign as well Mm -hmm. can you see yourself doing that for a long time or or, or is it in your mind you're like yeah this is gonna be four seasons and this one thing is gonna happen and then we're gonna be done well we've really kind of chosen to do like a limited run and the reason is because i the original idea was i wanted to have strixhaven students and then have them 10 years in the future dealing with things that they decided to do and not do um in their college years which is something that like a lot of us a lot of people can relate to of like being like oh that person at the reunion that i i remember i dated them in college it's very weird i wonder what they're doing right now or being like dang, I should have been a part of that frat or that that club. Like, I really, you know, I got jealous of them or whatever else. So it's, we. I knew it was going to be that. And then we decided to tack on the prequel so we could have more time to just, like, play and hang out together. So it is a limited series. I definitely see me playing with that group of people for the rest of my life. Like, I really want to just, I think this year the goal is to, like, make some sort of studio and just let it be kind of us playing games. Um, and doing shows and outputting fun stuff, but they're very fun and a great set of players and people and very entertaining to watch. <laughs> that would be, that'd be crazy. Just like, all right, we're crazy. done. We're done with this exact thing, but now we're all just going to have a great time together all the time. Yep. In every game. <laughs> Ideal actually. All right. Now we're, now we're kids on bikes. Now we're raccoons that are pirates yep now we're wrestlers Raccoon sky pirates yep. yeah right sky pirates exactly we uh, that's another game that's sitting in our basement to be played yes. sometime that has not yet been played well lexi is there anything else that people need to know i think the last resolution i have i want to get into wrestling because i want to run a wrestling campaign so bad i want it to be travel around the world and the big bads are all like gimmicky fighters and you have some mystery that you have to deal with, but the biggest thing is just like 
<laughs> knock out these big gimmicky fighters. It's an all fighter play group. That would be fun. But that's 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 the last resolution. Um, outside of that, just listen to Harold's horn. That's it. <laughs> thank you, Lexi, and thank you for joining me on this adventure in making the Harold's horn. I hope we all have a great time. We will. Always. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Harold's Horn podcast. It has been a blast figuring out how we're going to do this thing and the support on a, what was supposed to just be a trial run episode that I decided to throw out into the aether has been incredible. Thank you. Uh, this is where I'm going to sneakily plug the Patreon. There is technically a Patreon. I haven't figured out anything about rewards or anything like that. If you do want to help support me, pay the bills. It is shockingly expensive to make a hobbyist podcast like this. Uh, nobody's getting paid yet. I would love for that to change in the future. If you would love to chip me a couple bucks as I continue to figure this thing out with the help of my wonderful co-hosts, that would be awesome. There's a link in the description. Also, if you, in that same vein, if you would like to sponsor the podcast, hit me up in my email, which is also in the description. Thank you so much to Emma and Lexi for joining me on this episode. You can follow myself and them at our various social links, which you can find in the podcast description as well. And of course, the entire podcast and all things you'll need to know about it can be found on Twitter or X, if you're weird like that, at Harold's Horn. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you in two weeks. Bussin. <laughs> Bussin count three. <laughs>